Welcome to Leatherbread, the podcast for fantasy football. Now, introducing your host, Hunter Slapdog Amaruso, and Matthew Scotty Hopemeyer. Hi, baby, and welcome to Leather Brains. As always, I am your host, Slapdog. I've got Scotty Del Rey here with us today, as well as Alan Casanova Castro. I don't know. I haven't come up with a nickname for you yet, and I apologize yeah, for that. There's a few things that we need to discuss. One, um, I don't know if I, it's like a punch card where my name gets on the intro, and I also get like your seventh <laughs> episode, you get a nickname. So I need to keep track of this just to make sure I cash those in. Yeah, why don't you get with your agent on that and uh, yeah. and have him get out with my people, and we'll see if we can get something going. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> welcome aboard everybody that is one thing you know there's so many new things we got going on obviously we're starting getting into the live streaming thing we've got a new background for our bar scene a new leather brain sign there's a lot going on but we do need to work on the intros so i will uh i'll have my people get with your people and we'll see if we can get it figured out um everybody welcome in welcome to leather brains we appreciate you joining us here today tonight rather um as i mentioned we have a full house here on our tuesday episode today we're going to be going over a couple things so we're going to go over rule one which i will let alan explain here in just a moment and then we're going to go over our game recaps so all of week 11 and all of the fantasy football implications with every single one of these teams we have after that our waiver wire ads there's some people on there that i think you're going to want to listen to or listen for rather and then uh we also put people that you can drop so i and, and we'll talk about that more in the segment but there is going to be some people that i do want to talk about that i think are, are great drop candidates and, and we'll explore those as a team and then we're going to wrap it all up with our brainiac questions so let's get down to business. let's get down let's get down to business alan why don't you explain to the masses this rule one <laughs> all right uh well there's there's some history here um, so Slapdog uh, has not been very favorable of Matt Rule, um, especially as the head coach of the Carolina Panthers, which looking at that in its own little silo, I am with you. I get it. Not the best. Um, but we are Midwest boys. Um, we are Husker fans. Um, sorry to spoil that for everybody that's out there. We we're also very, very in favor of beating Iowa, which hasn't been done <clears throat> since my daughter's been alive. <laughs> so happy to cross that one off the freaking list. Um, but Nebraska has a new head coach, Matt Rule. Um, so I felt like it was in our best interest to give Slapdog the opportunity. Um, I asked him just to say one nice thing about Matt Rule. So I think we're going to go through this exercise. Time heals. I think consistency over time. I think we just need to get into a better spot, mainly Slapdog. So um, we're, I'm going to open it up to him. And I just want him to say one nice thing about the new husker football coach matt rule okay yeah this is it was uh, a little bit of shock for me as a husker fan that uh, matt rule is there so and i have not been very nice to matt rule like i have been very publicly a, a shit talker on him and now he's my coach so it becomes it, there's a there's a weird dynamic in my head and it i've brought a couple nice things to say about matt rule because I, I want to make amends for my uh, for my previous things that I've said. Matt Rule. Uh, in 2013, it was his first year coaching with Temple. And uh, he took the Owls from a, a two-victory team to a 10-4 and four team by 2015. So that's a good thing. Matt Rule, 
Well done. Also, as Alan has pointed out, Matt Rule kind of looks like I might look like in the next 20 years. So I got to kind of be slightly favorable to him. Everybody's joking in the group chat saying that it's I am Matt Rule because we look somewhat similar. So uh, if I can look like Matt Rule in 20 years, I, I don't think I'd hate it because I'm not a very good looking guy. Um, in 2019, he took Baylor to an 11 and 2 record. Wow, Matt Rule. Well done. And the last thing I will say about Matt Rule. He, he brought in young Jeezy. I don't know who that is, but he brought young Jeezy into the, his college locker room to give a pregame speech where they then upset East Carolina after that. So he's hip. He's a hip guy. He's, he's one with the, the teens. And who knows what's going to happen with this Husker football team. But there's nowhere to go but up because we are at the bottom. So I, I wish nothing but Matt Rule the best as a Huskers fan. And uh, But it, yeah, it... Truth be told, I look. I'm. I, I didn't know you didn't know who Jeezy was. Young Jeezy, never heard of him. I oh, still okay. don't know who he is. I didn't no, look up fine. any of his work. Uh, so fine. my we'll apologies. Spend, we'll spend some time on that. Um, yeah, I appreciate Truth those told, kind words. We're not a college football podcast. We're not, but because he was an NFL coach, we kind of we, there's an asterisk there, so we can talk about this. I have a lot of problems with this. I do. And, and it, I would be uh, remiss to say that I don't understand how we paid him what is, I believe, one of the highest salaries for a, a, a NCAA head yeah. coach. I think he's eighth in the country as of Which now. is ridiculous. And so I, th that's a problem for me. No problem number two. I liked Bo Pelini. I liked Bo Pelini. Bo Pelini was not a very wonderfully kind human being to the media. That's fine. Because you know what? Here's the thing with Husker fans. Every single Husker fan thinks they know what they think that they, they should be a head coach. They think that they have a say in the program. You don't believe me? Come join my group chat on Saturdays where every single one of my friends thinks that they are entitled to say things that have nothing to do with them regarding Husker football. So I liked Bo Pelini. He put Husker fans probably in a little bit of a position that they deserve. Maybe a little too much, but the, you're, you're right in the line. Mike Riley was never going to work. I knew that. I knew that as soon as we hired him because he all he was was a media junkie, but he was terrible coach. And then you've got uh, Scott Frost, right? So Scott Frost was somebody who we, we brought in as the hometown hopeful to come in and save us from Mike Riley. Scott Frost wasn't ready. Scott Frost was a child, and he saw a bunch of young teens in his marriage. We don't. I don't even want to go there. So Matt Rule, I think, is, I think is probably the best option we've had in a while. Oh, my God. I think he's going to come in. He's got a little bit more discipline and a little bit more wherewithal to get things done and maybe bring us in the right direction. But I, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to say this and then I'm done. Okay. He has to prove it to me because I'm not bought in on Matt Rule. Prove it to me. And then maybe my opinion on you changes. That's fine. A couple thoughts. Okay. okay. A couple thoughts. One, yes, right. he has a very high salary, but... Yep. Um, salaries are going to keep going up in the Big Ten because the meteorites deal are just going to increase everything for everybody. And Mel Tucker at Michigan State is still making more than he is. And he just won like four games. So temp it's okay. We'll okay. be okay. Okay. Um, the, the, the second thing I want to say is that I'm excited for Matt Rule because one, yes, his, his coming back into Nebraska has bought the acceptance of dad bods. Scott Frost mm. worked out too damn much. He looked way better True. than all of us. Yeah, and that did. was, was like, problem. it was a problem for me. One, I had to look at him in like, 
I think my wife knew like I looked at him and I was attracted. So that's a problem for me. <laughs> but then too, I knew she was looking at him and she was also attracted. So that was also yeah. a problem for me. Yeah. But now that Matt rules here, dad bod, cool back, beards, like everybody can kind of like let loose of the belt and yeah. you can all just kind of not suck it in. Two, is the beard the, the sale of Nebraska smocks might also be going up with his little his little vest things he likes to wear. Oh. So like I'm also encouraged. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're not invested or have bought stock in smocks lately, now would be a good time. Invest. That's a good pun. Yeah. Invest in the smocks. All right. That's all uh, we have for rule one. I'm sure as uh, time progresses, we'll have more conversations about rule one, but we are going to move on to what this podcast is here for. And that is NFL football, more importantly, fantasy football. So, I'd like to start out with uh, with the Vikings Patriots game. So we had some um, games over the Thanksgiving break, and I figure this is probably a pretty decent one to start with. Things of note here that I wanted to touch on. Very obvious. Adam Thielen, I believe, and I'm trying to pull up the statistics as we speak, but Adam Thielen actually, did he outscore Justin Jefferson? I believe he did and was the leading fantasy football scorer. No, he didn't, but he came close. No. Um, Damn you, Justin Jefferson. He's just too good. Um, they both had very usable games, which is is pretty great. But uh, the, the thing that really excites me here is the newness of TJ Hawkinson and how he, how involved he is in this offense. So uh, the Hawk went five for six for 43 yards and a touchdown. He has been the tight end three since he has joined the Vikings in week nine. He's averaged 12.8 fantasy points a game. Are we buying the hype here? Like, can you can very obviously he is getting worked in in this offense, but like, is he going to be? Is he one of those top tier tight ends at this point, or is he still kind of uh, one of those fringe type tight ends? Like, what are your guys' thoughts here? Well, I think the right answer is somewhere in between. I mean, he, he's not a Mark Andrews who uh, has a really bad habit of dropping touchdown catches, but he's still really good. Um, and he's also obviously not a Travis Kelsey, but he is someone who is going to be a top tier uh, outside of that very top tier, but a relatively top tier tight end. I mean, if you're you're you know, getting six targets a game. And obviously they, they want to use this guy. Uh, he has become very quickly an integral part of this offense. So uh, I have no doubt that Hawkinson's probably a top six tight end going forward. And I would be very, very happy having him in my lineup. Okay. Um, Damian Harris, he suffered a thigh injury in the game and he did not return. He is doubtful in week 13, which is pretty good news for Ramondre as he already was the RB one, but now he will have no competition. So, Ramondre, he's got a 25% target share through the air. He's looking great. You're very obviously playing him. But the last piece of note here, the Vikings won 33-26. Do we still do we still carry some, some question marks as to the term fraud for these Vikings? Or do we think they're the... Are they playoff contenders at this point? Like, what are... I mean, given their record, they're pretty damn well at 9-2. At, uh, and two. They're going to the playoffs, right? I mean, that's kind of where we're at with the Vikings. Yeah, they're they're probably going to lock up the division here okay. next week. Even I think they have the chance to next week um, mm -hmm. as things shake out. <clears throat> Their defense, yeah, that's not good. They're old. They looked very slow. Um, you know when the Patriots are putting up points on you like that. I mean the overs hit with ease, um, which I'm sure Vegas wasn't expecting. <laughs> like their offense is definitely playoff like tier one. Yeah, their offense is really good even with, you know, Kirk Cousins and how he can sometimes fold in big situations. But that defense is just – that's going to be rough for them, I think, as a team moving forward. When you mentioned their defense, uh, there there's a note here, stream quarterbacks versus Minnesota going forward because Minnesota is letting up almost 300 yards passing per game in each game of the last five weeks. 
but I wanted to note this because if you do decide to stream quarterbacks for Minnesota against Minnesota, rather, you've got New York Jets next week, who we at this point we don't know, and we'll we'll talk about that a little bit more when we get to that game. But Mike White is currently their quarterback. Then you've got the Lions, the Colts, the Giants, and the Packers. So while you could start a quarterback against these against the Vikings defense, there none of these are wonderful options to start. So understand that there is some risk involved with starting any of those guys. Um, moving on Cowboys giants, also known as the OBJ bowl. It looks like the Cowboys won that game 28 to 20, meaning OBJ now becomes a cowboy question mark. Is this, is this what we're thinking? I mean, is, is this, is this his landing spot? Is this where he, he finds his home? <laughs> I'm so over this OBJ talk. Um, he's coming <laughs> off in knee surgery. Like I know he's good, but you know, he don't, he just got kicked off a plane. He's got some other he shit kicked going off the on. Plane? Uh, yeah, you didn't see that? He no. refused to put on his seatbelt and he was leaving oh. a plane from Florida and refused to put on his seatbelt and he they they said he was incoherent. So I'm sure he's he was on, on something. <laughs> <laughs> he was on he was on something, but I, I don't whatever. I think from a fantasy perspective, I mean, sure, if you want to maybe hold on to OBJ for just cause like, but I don't I don't see that being a I see I, I never rostered OBJ in any of my leagues because I don't I don't I don't know if it's going to be that big of a difference for me, especially this late in the season. I am a very much prove it to me that you earn a starting spot. And with the time left in the season, I don't know if he could do that substantially, especially when you have CD lamb and Michael Gallup in there. If it is in fact, uh, the, the Cowboys that he goes for, um, it looks like Jerry's boy lives on, right? So we've talked about Pollard. We've talked about Zeke in this whole frustrating situation with Zeke, with Zeke, they're, they both got it done, realistically. I mean, Zeke had 16 carries. Pollard had 18, so we actually out-touched Zeke. Uh, Zeke went for 92 yards and a touchdown, and then Pollard went 60 yards and did not see a touchdown, but both had quite a bit of usability. I mean, what do you do with the Cowboys' backfield going forward? Because for the rest of the season, you've got the Colts, you've got the Texans, you've got the Jaguars, you've got the Eagles, and then you have Tennessee. So somewhat of a favorable matchup schedule for, for these running backs. And so wh- what do you do? I mean, if you have somebody like Tony Pollard... You're like if you have Zeke, you're probably starting him, right? Because it's Jerry's world, and we're all living in it, and that means that you're playing Zeke. But if you, more importantly, if you're a Pollard owner, do you play him? Because the matchups are there, and you, you know, we know that Pollard is a better running back than Zeke is. But what do you do? Well, like, where, where, what camp do you guys set him for this? Yeah, I'll take this one. I, I am not uncomfortable playing Pollard going forward. Uh, and we said this last time we recorded that, you know, I think Pollard has demonstrated that he is very capable of handling this workload. And I think he's locked himself in for at least 13 touches a game going forward. Obviously we saw he got more than that this week. Um, if he's going to be getting, you know, 13, 18 touches, uh, that is very, very, very usable fantasy output. And we all know his big play potential. So I have no issue throwing him in, in the flex, uh, and having him in that starting lineup, especially given the matchups coming up. So, uh, if I've got Pollard, I'm, I'm happy playing him. Okay. Uh, we'll move on to the Bills and the Lions game. I don't know if you guys watched this game, but I was very vested in this game as a Dan Campbell fan. Um, 28-25, the Bills end up winning this game, but very close. This game was a lot closer than I think most people had anticipated. Uh, Amon Ross St. Brown saw double-digit targets without Hawkinson. Swift, did he reclaimed the backup role. He went 24% of the snaps, nine touches, 45 yards. Um the volume is still a major concern. I would still leave Swift on my bench, and I'm sure you guys probably agree with that. Jamal Williams, 18 carries for 66 yards and a touchdown. He's the guy to own. You know, we said that last week, and I think that still sticks true. I think Jamal Williams is the guy 
to own for this game or for this this uh, running back room rather. And then you've got Isaiah McKenzie. He exploded, right? He he did very very well. He went six for ten for ninety six yards and a touchdown. He finished with twenty two fantasy points. And then you've got Diggs, of course. But I think really the the question we need to be asking ourselves is what do you do with Gabe Davis? Because Isaiah McKenzie is what you hoped Gabe Davis would be going into this year. Yeah, and I think McKenzie fits into how the Bills want to play. I think they prefer to like get out, get the ball out, and get their playmakers in space and go. And I think Gabe Davis is kind of a one. He's got one mode. Like he's going down there, he's stretching and going deep. And as much as we think of Josh Allen like chucking it, which he can do very easily, um, if you really watch the Bills' offense play, they do like to take the yardage that's there because the team is scared of Josh Allen's arm. So I would not, <laughs> I, I would not be in the Gabe Davis camp moving forward. I think we've all kind of been on that for weeks. Um, but I think McKenzie out of the backfield, that's, that's a lot of work. Six receptions for that amount. Like that's yeah. a lot of, that's a lot of work. hundred percent. But with Gabe Davis, I mean, do you flex him because you know what his ceiling is or do you, do you even risk it or do you look for, I mean, what do you do here? Like you, you're not going to drop the guy because he does have value, but yeah, he's, you also he's, can't trust him. So it makes it really, really hard. Yeah, he's he's the dart throw play. If if you're if you are projected to lose your game by 20 points uh, and you've got nothing to lose, Gabe Davis is the play uh, because he might you know break off a 98 yard touchdown uh, reception. So it, it's it's not something you ever feel comfortable with, but he's the upside play. He's the he's the dart throw, the roulette spin. Um, you know when you when you need something a miracle to happen to get it done, he's the one to plug in. So let's let's just have a, a little hypothetical party here for just a moment. Let's say you you're going to flex Gabe Davis and you've got some other flex options. Would you rather flex Davis or Juju? Uh, well, like I said, it depends on the situation. I mean, if you're in a, a matchup, just in you know, a vacuum, you have to flex one of those two. On a, on uh, I, I'd rather flex Juju. He's got a much safer floor. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Gabe Davis probably has a higher ceiling, maybe, um, but I'd rather flex Juju. Okay, we'll yeah, do one more, just... and I'll ask you this one, Alan: DJ Moore or Gabe Davis? <sighs> My gosh, um, I'm going to go DJ more more because of the Bills' schedule upcoming as we get into the end of the playoffs. They got the Patriots okay. in New England. They got the Jets and the Dolphins. So they're going to be in there. I mean, I don't know which way these are going to go. Um, all three of those teams are fighting for playoff spots and they're sure. going to be tough games. Um, I think the Patriots is a Thursday night game and those always tend to be lower scoring just because of the turnarounds and how those teams play. So, so I would saying, go. But- Bet the under is what you're saying. <laughs> I would. I generally do. Um, I don't know. I would go DJ. I like DJ more. I mean, he ate too. Okay. I, I I like him. Okay. Um, we'll move on to the uh, Falcons Commanders game. Commanders win this game, nineteen to thirteen. Right. Uh, Brian Robinson led the backfield in this one, so it becomes somewhat problematic as far as. Who eats on a week-to-week basis between Brian Robinson and Antonio Gibson? Robinson, like I mentioned, was um, was the lead back on this one. So, and then on the on the flip side of this, you got the Falcons who have Tyler Algier and uh, Cordero Patterson, and they they saw pretty much the same amount of attempts at eleven. Patterson was utilized through the air more without Kyle Pitts. What do you do here? I mean, you're you're probably not counting on either of these guys for pa- Patterson or Algier at this point. I would I would assume for fantasy purposes. Uh, and, and really, I think both of them are kind of a dart throw for me. I don't know if you guys would agree with that or not, but I think both those guys are kind of dart throw-esque. If I had to choose, I'd probably take Patterson, but I think it's it's I, pretty close. I would, especially if you're in a PPR, 
um, because Patterson will get you a few more points just receiving. Mm -hmm. Um, And he didn't get like a ton of work this last game, but like over time, I think he nets you better results. And especially if you're, I mean, listen, we're getting down to the wire. Like you're either making the playoffs now or you're not, which sadly for me, I'm not in a lot, but (laughs) um, you'd have to lean to to getting those receptions. That's just more touches, obviously the better. You just got to play the odds. Well, and without Kyle Pitts, obviously Patterson gets a huge bump because, you know, being a former receiver, he's very familiar with that that aspect of the game, and they're going to utilize him as they demonstrated. You're going to see more of that split backfield in terms of touches behind the line, and you're going to see Patterson get more work in the receiving uh, in the receiving game. So um, I agree. I think Patterson's the one to own, especially if you need that upside. Um, and I, I bet that his usage in the passing game is going to go up as much as it can in that offense, but... Yeah, and asterisks there because of that offense. Um, Commanders, Curtis Samuel, the waiver wire darling early in the year can now be dropped. He's done. He has seen a total of 22 targets since Taylor Heineke took over. He averages 3.6 targets a game. Not a good look. Not a good look. For somebody that, that when Carson Wentz was in that game, Curtis Samuel was a pretty interesting play. He's fallen off quite a bit, uh, and he he uh, certainly is a drop candidate. For well, us. and not only that, they're winning, so they're not going to change yeah. their strategy now. No, so, exactly. <laughs> yeah, they're, I, I would agree with you. Drop him now because he's not going to all of a sudden get work when they're winning games without him. Yeah. Uh, Bengals-Titans. Bengals versus the Titans. The Bengals win this game 20-16. to 16. Vrabel takes a loss to the Tigers that are striped. Samaj P. Ryan was a great fill-in for Joe Mixon. He did wonderful. He went 17 for 58 and one, and then four for seven through the air for 35 yards. He looked great. He looked great. And I think that, you know, there's Joe Mixon has still at this very moment, not been cleared for out of concussion protocol. I see him getting cleared by the end of the week, but uh, currently he's not. So P Ryan is somebody he's worth just keeping an eye out on because if for whatever reason, Mixon does not get cleared, P. Ryan is definitely he's he's an all down back for them. So uh Traylon Burks, go ahead. Did you have something to say there, Alan? I'm sorry. Yeah, they're they're playing the Chiefs next week. Everybody gets cleared for the Chiefs. Everybody <laughs> like miraculously heals. The Chargers oh, yeah. wide receivers get dug up from underneath the ground to come play against the Chiefs. <laughs> they're Mixon's playing against the Chiefs. Chase is playing against the Chiefs. They're playing. It's gonna be a good game. It's gonna be a good game because the, the Bengals are kind of starting to uh, I think connect a little bit better. Um, Traylon Burks, he had a usable day. He went four for six for 70 and a touchdown, but it is worth noting. And I don't know if you guys watched it, but Traylon Burks's touchdown was a, I think it was a 60 yard run by Derrick Henry and he fumbled it right out of the end zone and Burks, he was right place, right time, grabbed it touchdown. So yeah, um, I was seeing a, it's kind of a test of your league a little bit because I was seeing a lot of people on Twitter talking about how they didn't get credit for that touchdown because there's some weird rule with, uh, you know, cause it's not a reception and it's not a run. So what do you classify it as? And there are many leagues that didn't have anything to classify it as. So they just didn't get any points for it. Really? Uh, which is interesting. That would suck. That would suck so bad because he did get a touchdown. So it's bullshit. Yeah, it is bullshit. If That's your league that send your league, get, send your yeah. commissioner our information. We'll have a conversation with him and we'll we'll set him straight. Yeah, send him in. We we actually have a lot of ins with a lot of fantasy platforms, as far as you all know. And yeah. so we'll definitely. Yeah, we'll definitely we'll pull some strings for you. Um, I mean Burks, he's like a. You trust him as a wide receiver too? Like, is that where you're at for you? Like. <laughs> Scotty's like, I don't know. Like, what do you guys, how do you view Burks? Because I see so many people in the fantasy football community right now, and they're like, Burks is a must start going forward. And I'm like, I don't know if I would agree with that. 
I think he's kind of like a flex consideration, but I wouldn't put him in a must start. I'm going to let Alan take this one. So you go ahead, Alan. (laughs) I was okay. So I don't know if it was the last episode of the episode before I said, you know, sometimes the ball just finds people like it doesn't make any sense. You have no idea why it's like Watson. Like we don't know how this keeps happening. Like Rogers goes out and he catches a bomb, right? We'll get into that later. But like it, I, the ball just finds people. I mean, go for it if you want, but I think this is literally just one of those. I mean, it's gambling, right? It's kind of go with your gut. Like if you mm-hmm. think he's going to keep finding, he caught a big, he caught a big um, pass in that game too. Um, and so, I mean, he did do side from the fumble recovery for a touchdown, but Hey, you know, that he's playing hard. He, he's finding the ball. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. I guess it would I depend on who I, else that's you're my strategy for, but um, T Higgins yeah. went seven for nine for one fourteen and a touchdown. T Higgins is wide receiver 11. The past four games that chase has been out. He's averaging almost 20 points a game. It is worth noting chase is expected. As you mentioned just a minute ago, Alan, that he chase should be back this week and he will be playing against the chiefs. So, I'm interested to see the workload. I really am as far as are is Chase going to be a full go, you know, every snap kind of guy. They're going to limit his workload. Let's see how that looks. But when Chase and Higgins are both healthy and on the field, they're both put up very, very similar numbers. So, I yeah, think, and I the think, Chiefs, the Chiefs have, uh, you got to remember the Chiefs still have two rookie. I mean, there's, I mean, for most of the time, they have two rookie corners out there. Yeah. So, I would start both of them. Okay. Uh, we'll move on to the Jets Bears game here. So, um, in the Jets Bears game, the Bears couldn't figure out who in the hell they are going to start as their quarterback until the literal last minute. Justin Fields has a separated shoulder and he still wasn't ruled out until the night before the game, uh, making Trevor Simeon the starting quarterback. And then in pregame warmups, Trevor Simeon got hurt and almost didn't play. So, they almost had their third string quarterback. What an atrocious fucking thing. Like, here's what I... And I want to pause for just a moment. I'm not a Bears fan. I could give a shit less about the Bears or anything that they got going. But as an observer from the outside in, why on God's green earth would you not bench Justin Fields, put him on the IHAR, and let him get healthy? Like, why would you not do that? You're not going to win anything. You're not going to... Like, you don't have a team that is playoff caliber worthy. So you may have found... Your quarterback, you may, and and I think Bears fans would agree with me when I say Justin Fields could be their future. So why risk long term in in like significant injury? This dude's got a fucked up arm. Your season's in the in the shitter anyway. Bench him. Bench yeah, so you say let him get healthy. You saying you saying I arm? Yeah, like just like why would you not? Yeah. I agree. So I don't understand that. R- running okay. So here's the thing, and I'll give get on my soapbox for a second about running quarterbacks in the NFL you don't see very many old running quarterbacks in the NFL. And this is the problem with, I have with Josh Allen being run so much. And I think you, you can hear their staff alluding to how they don't want to do that anymore. They just don't have a very long shelf life. Mm-hmm. You know, Vic played as long as he did because part of that time you, he couldn't play right. Like running quarterbacks just do not have a very long shelf life. So if you are the bears and you're saying, this is our guy moving forward, it's a very small window because things like this happen. Separated yeah. shoulders, rib injuries, elbows, knees, like, these are huge men that are, you know, hitting your quarterback. There's a reason why they pay left tackles the, the amount they do. Um, I would put them on IR just for the sheer fact of roster moves. Um, but yeah, I, I think if you're looking long, long term at this, even if you're playing like any dynasty formats, like your window is going to be short 
with with a quarterback like this. Understandable. And I, I agree with you. I do. But with that being a short window and the record that you currently have and the fact that it took you half the season to figure out that you have a, a running quarterback, um, why not put him on the IR and try again next year? Like, that's where my mind is at, is maybe get a little I bit agree. more utility players to to help out on this team. And if you're going to rush him as much as you do, at least make sure he's healthy and you have a chance at making the playoffs <laughs> if you're going to do it. Like, that's my thought. So, yeah. How, I, I don't know. The question I have, how many kids playing Madden knew that Justin Fields was a running quarterback <laughs> before the Bears? Yeah. Knew? You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, no. They I, figured it out. I know. It's insane. Uh, other things to note for the Bears, Darnell Mooney left with a high ankle sprain and he did not return. Darnell Mooney is going to need season-ending injury or season-ending surgery, excuse me, to repair torn ligaments in that ankle. So he is done for the season. He's a drop. We'll, we'll cover that in our drop segment. Um, David Montgomery is the only trustworthy piece going forward without fields. I think that's very apparent, especially with the fact that Khalil Herbert is currently not healthy. Montgomery had 14 for 79, and then he saw three for four through the air for 34 yards. He put up almost 15 fantasy points. I think you can trust, to, trust Montgomery. Yeah, you definitely can trust him, but we do have to note here – uh, his ceiling is pretty significant given how bad this offense is without fields. Uh, Cause they're never mm. going to be in that, uh, in that garbage time situation where they, so you don't think Trevor Simeon's the answer is what you're telling me. <laughs> well, you know, not as much as Justin Fields. No. <laughs> okay. um, so, you know, I, I agree with you. I mean, you start David Montgomery if you have him given the situation, but you do have to temper your expectations because I think 14.3 fantasy points is probably about his ceiling. Um, I don't think he's going to be anything crazier than that. Their offense isn't going to get in the red zone that often, and they're not going to have to run the ball to end the game. Um, so it's just one of those situations. you got to temper those expectations. I, I love that, and I couldn't agree more. Uh, let's flip it to the Jets side of things. Um, Mike White, he started the game for the Jets. I have to ask, did Zach Wilson just lose a starting job forever? Because it, we talked about it a little bit in the week previous. Zach Wilson was asked at the end of the game after the Jets punted uh, 10 times. He got 2.77 inches per play in the second half. A reporter asked uh, asked Mr. Wilson, he said, hey, do you feel like you were a, a part of the, the problem there for your team? And he said, no. Um, then Robert Salah, head coach for the Jets, came out and said, we don't know who our, our, uh, our quarterback's going to be going into this week. And then uh, Zach Wilson came out and he apologized and said, yeah, it was absolutely my fault. Uh, too little, too late. He lost his position. Mike White came in and he did a hell of a game. I mean, he did a hell of a job, right? Um, he did very well. It was a rainy game and he outperformed Zach Wilson very significantly. So granted, it was a Bears defense that is is not a great defense. So I, I want to put a little little sidebar there, but. Do we think that that realistically Mike White might just have this job moving forward until they they maybe maybe this is the the end for Zach Wilson in a dynasty format you probably could drop him like or is that the level you're going to uh, I had a cousin at the game um, and he texted us in the middle of it and he said all my homies love Mike White that's all he said and there's just like a bunch of people cheering I think at this point you almost have to he did that in the rain he did that with like everything, you know, working against him. Um, yeah. But sometimes there's something to be said about the pressure being off, right? Like there's no expectations of him. The team sucked. Like he could kind of do whatever he wanted. They're and contending you to, though. You say they you suck. You have to remember. They're, no, 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 no. I mean, team. I mean like the, the offense sucked. Sorry. Mm -hmm. The offense sucked. So, I mean, literally if he just moved them, I think we said last time, if he just moved them like 50 yards and kicked field goals, he was a success story. Yeah. But you have to remember Mike, he did this before. He did. He came out year. hot. Yeah. And then he kind of 
he, he fizzled was yeah he he did so i'd be interested to see um i'm hopeful that he you know he can replicate it but you know again the, the afc East is tough like yeah. you know he's gonna have he's gonna have a tough schedule and so we'll see but we've seen this before the yeah. real question is this do you think uh, if zach wilson was asked that question again at another press conference were you holding back your offense were you letting down your defense after this performance you think his answer would be different a hundred percent because I think, and it, it's funny you said that because I was talking to my girlfriend about this and she's like, Zach Wilson's not playing. And I was like, no, he's not. And I, you know, I told the whole story and then I'm sitting there thinking to myself, if he would have answered that question differently, the entire situation may have been different like that. I mean that realistically, I think that is a possibility. I, and maybe, I'm not, look, I, I think it would have bought him more time is what I'm saying. Maybe. I don't think, I don't think he's a good quarterback. Mm. I never thought he had been a good quarterback, and I don't think he's the future of that franchise. But I think if he would have answered that question just a little bit differently, yeah, I played really poorly. I, I need yeah. to do better. Then Maybe. at that point, he would have bought himself more time, I think. Maybe. I think it's almost like, you know, when you get a cold sore and you put Carmex on it, and it just highlights that you have a cold sore. <laughs> I think all he did was highlight that yeah. he sucked by saying that. I think the coach was like, oh, really? Okay. You know, yeah. so po possibly... I, this probably we were probably all roads probably led to this point anyways, but he definitely probably highlighted it for him. Like, hey, we should probably look at this. Yeah, 100 percent. It is also worth noting that Garrett Wilson, he's uh, much more trusting when he is the only Wilson on the field. He finished with 23 points. He went five for eight for 95 and two tutties. I think really this whole wide receiver room gets a bump when Zach Wilson's not on the field. And that's just the God's honest truth. We saw what happened with Joe Flacco earlier this year and, and the wide receivers for this team were usable. Mike White got it done. I'm not saying they're all must starts, so don't take it for that. But I think that they get a bump in the right direction for fantasy football without Zach Wilson. Yeah, it's impossible at this point to say that Zach Wilson wasn't holding this offense back. I mean, you now have two different quarterbacks coming in and performing much, much better than him. So you just have to come to that conclusion that he was holding this offense back. Yeah, for sure. Michael Carter left the game due to an ankle sprain. Uh, James Robinson season question mark. I, I, there's a lot going on there that we really don't have a lot of information. James Robinson, he was a healthy scratch this week, which was kind of surprising going into this game because we all thought he'd be fine. We don't know why he was a scratch, but James Robinson was a scratch. Uh, Zonovan Knight took over for the backfield. He, uh, 18 for 22 possible snaps without Carter on the field. And then Ty Johnson came down on, came in on third down plays. If Michael Carter doesn't play, I mean, I, I'm in the camp that I think it's James Robinson. I don't know what the hell happened. So it may be that my my thought changes, barring more information. But what I know now, I, I just think that James Robinson is going to be utilized without without uh, Michael Carter in here. They traded for him. And it wasn't anything. It was, you know, pennies on the dollar. But his contract was ending after this year. And they, they were looking for somebody to kind of replace Brees Hall. So I think it would be James Robinson for me. And I don't know if you guys agree with that, but I think if James Robinson is not a healthy scratch, he's the person to own if Michael Carter's not in play. <clears throat> yeah, no, I, I agree 100%. Um, th this, this screams that there's more to the story that we're not aware of at this point in time because this obviously goes uh, you know, completely against what, what the common theory would be. So I agree with you. I think from the outside in, James Robinson is the one to own, barring you know some you know, unexpected information. Uh, but ultimately, I agree with you as of now. Okay. Yeah. Uh, just pulling up some some of the latest because we it's again tea leaves, uh, but it said they're not overly concerned about the ankle injury. So okay. just more testing, but they don't think he's going to miss any amount of significant time. But it's the NFL guys get dinged up. They're hurt. Like what? It, what does that mean? Literally, it comes down to pain tolerance this time of the year, right? Like, yep. can you 
stomach it like can you do it or not so i guess that's really up to him it's kind of a, a still a mystery though yeah for sure uh we're gonna move on to the dolphins and the texans game we're gonna start out with a clip here because i don't know if you saw it so we're gonna play it for you uh tua got sacked and i was sitting on my couch and i felt my my back break in half so here it is talk about Loa drops back and he is oh. buried oh boy spear in miami yeah, I mean, just mm. gets bent in half. And thankful the, the weight of Collins wasn't on him. He did get up, get right in there. and That man just had an exorcism performed on him. <laughs> and I, it, it looked so freaking painful. That's, I, the, I, that's the problem with turf. They're playing on turf, right? I don't want to sound like an idiot. I, I, assume I, mean, I, that don't they, I, I don't know, sure. but that's, I mean, that highlights the issue that so many players have been complaining about for years now with that AstroTurf stuff where your feet just stick and it's great when you do it intentionally, but when you want your feet to move and they don't move, that's the kind of shit that you see. Uh, very, very painful and scary. Yeah. Uh, um, so bad. I would say at bare minimum, that's a winning twister move. Um, that's something that could <laughs> totally seal it for you. Or if you're like doing the limbo, nothing yeah. my body can actually do, but, um, that's the only positives I can break out. I don't know how he just kept going. I mean, I don't know these athletes, man, they, they endure some stuff that like would put me in a hospital for months. So. Yeah, I, I like I got up to go fill up my water after that, and I just felt a twinge in my back from that. And I'm like, holy hell, terrible. Uh, Jeff Wilson, you led the backfield, and uh, he was very usable, but Mostert was out due to a knee injury. So I think this becomes a little bit of an interesting conversation because you've got Jeff Wilson and Raheem Mostert. I think it's Jeff Wilson. That's you. This is a common theme. I told we talk about this all the time, like in the NFL. There's always two guys. I know, but I think if, but you have to pick one, right? Because I know that's what I'm saying. Kareem Hunt. It, it's like, it's like, shit, there's two. Um, I miss, it's just simpler times when there's just one. Um, I, I, I think Wilson too. That's okay. just where my gut goes. Um, if you were to make me put a lineup together and had me pick between the two of them, I would definitely go Wilson. Um, I just, just what my eyes tell me. And that's like a lot of how I judge these. I watch a lot of these games and I just, that's just where my eyes go. Yeah. Uh, the Dolphins defense, they feasted. They had 21 points. They did pretty damn well, but that's kind of to be expected when you're playing against the Texans. Let's talk about Damian Pierce, the running back for the Texans. What do we do with him? Uh, he has rushed for 16 yards on 15 carries the past two weeks, <laughs> 8.3 fantasy points in the last two games. So that, that late round dart throw hopeful came out of, of very hot and spicy at the beginning of the year and it started to kind of slow down a little bit. What are we thinking? I have my thoughts. I'm curious on yours before I share mine. So anybody well, feel free to chime in. Yeah. Damian Pierce's problem is not Damian Pierce. It's this offense um, is the bottom line. He is similar conversation to what we just had uh, where he is capped by the offense. If it, this, this, this team is not going to be leading very often. And so he gets game scripted out very quickly. So in, in games where they're competitive or they have a lead by the grace of God, Damian Pierce is an awesome player. Uh, but in games where they have to pass it to have any chance, Damian Pierce gets game scripted out. So he's just one of those guys that you have to look at matchups and, you know, some weeks you're going to be very comfortable starting him and other weeks you're going to have to make a tough decision and put him on your bench, probably just given who they're playing. I, that is exactly my thoughts towards him as well. I think that it's, it's just the lack of production in this offense. Most defenses are kind of keying on Pierce. And for that reason, he's not going to see a lot of value. So um, I think, and I don't, I don't have the Texans schedule pulled up in front of me, but like you, at this point, you've kind of secured Pierce as your RB two on your team, so you're probably still going to play him. On, and that's kind of my mentality towards that. 
Um, Texans started Kyle Allen instead of Davis Mills. So Mills Mafia hashtag Woo. dead question mark. Uh, I mean, is Davis Mills time? Have have we seen the end of Mills Mafia? Oh God! I just looked at their schedule: Browns, Cowboys, Chiefs, Titans. Gross. <laughs> uh, I mean, if you were, if you, I mean, okay, listen, I, I, I'm going to be honest. Like, if you're listening to us at this point in the season and you're still waffling on Texans players. I, I imagine you're fighting for something other than the championship because <laughs> I don't know if many Texans players <laughs> got you this far. Last. <laughs> yeah, um, not not great for that team moving forward. No, not at all. Um, okay, we'll move to the Jags versus the Ravens. The, this game was electric. I, this game was so fun to watch. Shouldn't have happened. Should not have been uh, anywhere near the Jaguars winning this game, but they did 28 to 27. This game was insane. So it all came down to a Justin Tucker. I want to say it was a 67 yard field goal attempt by Justin Tucker to win the game. So Jags, I think they were, they had two minutes, roughly two minutes left. They had to march all the way down the field and get a touchdown. They did. Uh, and then Zay Jones went nuclear. Um, they went for two and they got it. So, uh, that left the Ravens roughly 20 seconds left on the clock, give or take. And they did get within that field goal range that they thought. I mean, given their time constraints, it it was field goal range for Justin Tucker. And it looked like it was in. I remember I was watching this game and I'm like, he just is he about to make this perfect alignment? Great distance. I'm screaming. I threw my hands up and then the refs are like, no go. And I'm like, what? And they played the replay. He was like a yard short. He was a yard short. So. What a game, right? Uh, Travis Etienne, he left the game early with a foot injury and did not return. Looks like it's the same foot injury that Etienne suffered that was a season-ending Liz Franick sprain last year. Uh, he It says he was cleared to return to the game, but the uh, team was taking it safe and they did not play him. So let's monitor that as we go into this week. Um, the Gus Buzz had 16 carries and did almost nothing with him, except he fumbled the ball. So that's pretty exciting. Uh, then Zay Jones. Zay Jones went 11 for 14 for 145 yards and a touchdown, as well as a two-point conversion. So my question to you, gentlemen, after all of this information, because I don't know if I buy in on Trevor Lawrence. I, I haven't bought in on Trevor Lawrence. Did Trevor Lawrence buy himself some more time winning this game? Uh, yeah. Trevor Lawrence, even though he's been a roller coaster, and, and honestly, a lot of the people from his draft class have all been kind of roller coaster rides, like throughout throughout the last two years. Uh, and I actually think Trevor Lawrence has probably been the most consistent one. He's trending in the right direction. Uh, if you remember, just you know, the beginning of this season, uh, he came out and everyone said, "Whoa, this guy can actually play football!" All of a sudden, um, I think you know Trevor Lawrence is buying himself time. I think he is he's moving in the right direction. He's improving as a player, uh, and I think he's he's going to get better going forward this year and going into next year. Um, I do want to talk a bit about Zay Jones and about Christian Kirk. Uh, because I think this is going to be an important point to mention the the one takeaway I had from this, in spite of the fact that Christian Kirk kind of took a backseat role here, um, his matchup with, I can't remember the cornerback's name, but the cornerback, uh, their lead corner on the Ravens did move to the slot to cover Christian Kirk. The matchup wasn't there for him. I am perfectly fine with Christian Kirk going forward. This does not worry me all that much about him. And I think Zay Jones is going to fall behind Christian Kirk rest of season, uh, you know, for the, for, for the rest of the year. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, you highlight it. NFL's matchups, they talk about it all the time. They highlight it. You know, that's how these NFL offenses work. They look for that matchup and they try to exploit it as much as they can because these are all professionals. 
I would say going to going back to Trevor Lawrence, I think Urban Meyer bought Trevor Lawrence a lot of time. I think everybody's kind of given him this year as a pass. This is kind of his rookie year with an actual coach with Doug Peterson. Um, I think if you go, I think next year is where you actually start to make those like critical decisions if you're the organization proper to be like, all right, yes or no. Um, he's got the tools. Well, so I guess he's bought him or Urban bought him a little bit more time. So you think Christian Kirk is a wide receiver one? <laughs> I, look, I'm just not in the camp of of Lawrence. I've seen what I needed to see, and I just don't think he is the future. But I agree. I, I agree with everything you said. I think, you know, Urban Meyer and I was going to make a joke when you had said something, Scotty. I think you are right. I think Urban Meyer did buy him some much, very valuable time for him to give him more than ample time to try and improve. So we're going to move on to the Bucks Browns game. The Browns win this game, 23 to 17 in overtime. Wow. I don't know if you guys watched that game. Chubb, he did some Chubb things. He went 16 for 116 and one. Um, but really, really the only thing, there's two things that I want to talk about. And I'll start with Chris Godwin here. He went 12 for 13, 110 yards and a touchdown. Is it Godwin's comeback season? Is Godwin finally, you know, here, here's what, it, because there's so many people in, you know, every Sunday we tweet out and say, hey, do you need help setting lineups? We're here to help. I can't tell you how many people ask, should I play Godwin? over so-and-so and i'm like <laughs> it, it was it was almost mind-blowing and i'm like really like th this many people are down on godwin you play him because the target share has consistently been there the only thing that hasn't is his touchdowns and he's starting to see a couple of them unfortunately it's at the the price of mike evans not doing anything for fantasy football but i think chris godwin he's you just gotta play him going forward like it, there's there should be no question about it he should be in your starting lineup because the target share is just immense and you know, you can't predict touchdowns, but it they've, they're starting to come, which is a great I'm, thing to see for him. I'm, I'm down bad on this one. I had the opportunity to trade for Godwin and I have Mike Evans and I was like, you know, I'm just going to roll with Evans. You know, he's been there. He's the guy, you know, he's got the size. We're just going to stick with it. And now I'm like, it's like I'm watching like an ex-girlfriend, even though I never had him, and it's very painful. <laughs> and like I said, a lot of these leagues, I miss the playoffs barely um, or potentially I'm a pessimist. But yeah, Godwin's the guy, man. He just looks good out there. <laughs> he does. <laughs> it's bad for me. I'm, I'm sorry for you. Um, but really, the, the person I think we need to talk about in this game is Rashad White, because I am in the camp that I think Rashad White is, has won the job. Like I think, and and I knew I knew that by next year it was going to be Rashad White because Lenny's on a contract year anyway. But man, he went fourteen for sixty four on the ground, and then he what was really really nice to see is he was nine for nine through the air for forty five yards. I'm in the camp that this he won the job, and it's going to be his job to lose going forward I, yeah. because he's he's looked good. Yeah, I agree with you hundred percent. Uh, yeah, fantasy managers and uh, NFL fans alike have been waiting for this to happen. Uh, and it, it was only a matter of time. And now he has kind of taken the opportunity. The biggest stat line here is the nine for nine on receptions. You've yeah. got to get Tom Brady sort of like Aaron Rodgers in that way. You've got to earn his trust. And once you do, he is going to pepper you. Uh, and Rashad White did that. Caught all of those balls that were thrown to him. Tom Brady is one of the check down Kings. He does not want to get hit. He's going to pass the ball to Rashad white. And he demonstrated that he can handle those targets. Um, yes. So I, I agree a hundred percent. I think Rashad white's going to be the guy going forward. The time has come. I, I agree with that. Um, anything else we want to talk about before we move on to the next game? No. Just a uh, yeah. surprise. Good. 
I was going to say just a surprise, you know, Chubb got that late overtime touchdown. So, you know, his stat line was okay. Thank God for overtime. I'm just surprised with the Bucks. This is very surprising to see their offense like this. And then you have, um, you know, that staff come out and say they played the way the, the end of the game the way they did because they were worried about Brady throwing an interception. It's almost like they know something that we yeah. don't about Brady. Very weird. And he's the, the team just doesn't look the same. The defense doesn't look the same. They all look uninterested. It's like they all know something in that in that locker room. And we know Brady's gone through the divorce and everything else, but it's like it's like they're all just kind of like hanging on, but not not much is really going on. It's very interesting. I would I I I very much agree with you on that because like from a personnel standpoint, they have a lot of returners. They have a lot of people that like, you know, have played with Tom Brady for a little bit now and things just don't look the same. And I don't know why. So I, I would be very curious to know as to what that reason is, but I tend to agree with you. I'm, I'm very curious to know, and we won't know like what's going on here because you have a very athletic, good team on paper and you're not really playing like it. So, um, yeah, something's going on there. And I think a lot of it has to do with Brady. I really do. And maybe some of the distractions outside of the football field are, are leaking into that locker room. So, yeah. Carolina Panthers versus the Broncos. Uh, I'm going to play clip. And I'm going to play this clip. And I think it's going to very well summarize exactly what this game was. Down, but gets a touch <laughs> down. All right. He keeps, he fumbles, he recovers. So not down rolls, by contact. He scores. Rock and roll, baby. Just get it in there. Let's see Jewel knock that thing out. He goes down to recover it. Not down by contact there. Stop, drop, and roll, baby, because Russell Wilson is a piece of shit. Um, Panthers win 23 to 10. This whole game was disgusting. This game was so gross. If anything, I think the one thing that I really did learn from this game is that DJ Moore may be a usable fantasy football asset with anybody that is not named Baker Mayfield. He did okay. He went four for six for 103 and a touchdown. So I I would like to I, I'm gonna I know OBJ listens to this podcast, and for that reason, I am going to give my sincerest of apologies to you, sir. When you had originally come out and said that you wanted to leave the, the Browns because Baker couldn't throw the ball, I thought you were being kind of a priss. Uh, I, I retract every thought that I ever had there, and I do sincerely apologize. You were correct. Baker Mayfield is awful. He's terrible, and uh, he should not be playing in the NFL anymore. So Panthers running backs. They, we saw a pretty even share here, which was uh, a little surprising given this whole situation with Chuba Hubbard and Deonta Foreman. Uh, Foreman saw 36% of the snap counts for 24 carries and 113 yards. Chuba wasn't that far behind him. I mean, he had 17 carries for 65 yards. What do you... I mean... You, yeah. I don't know. Like you, you can't really count on <laughs> these go guys. Again. It's terrible. You can't trust the running backs for the Panthers uh, because you can't trust the Panthers. The only part of the Panthers that I would even considerably want to like start maybe is is DJ Moore. Like beyond that, you're not starting anybody in this team unless you absolutely have to. And and it looks like Foreman and Chuba have entered somewhat of a timeshare that is kind of. Oh, we lost Hunter, so we'll just keep this going. Let's let's uh, uh, tag on to what he was saying there with uh, with Foreman and Chuba. Um, obviously, you know Foreman ended with a usable fantasy day: 113 yards. He had 24 carries, uh, 11.3 half point PPR points. Um, that's not terrible, but obviously you're not as excited as you were when Chuba was out and Foreman was carrying the workload. I mean, this is a bad offense. 
Um, Hunter, I see that you're back now. We lost you for a second, so yeah. we're just rolling with it. But I, I see this as a bad offense. Um, and when Foreman is getting all of the work, then you're more excited about it. But now with, they're kind of returning back to this uh, split backfield that we assumed would be the case once Christian McCaffrey left. Um, are either of these guys someone that you'd consider putting in? Yeah, you got to. I, I think you, it, you got to look at the backdrop of who they were playing. Really, it comes down to you see the Broncos. They're a good defense. Like mm-hmm. they don't give up a ton. And I know we're saying Carolina's bad. And I know a lot of this is on Russ. And we had the defense screaming at Russ <laughs> at the end of the game. Yes, I, I get. I get that. There's a whole picture here. But I would say, um, if I have Dante Foreman and I'm, you know, I'm trying to find some points. I definitely look at him as a solid option for me to get me over the edge if I'm teetering or if I'm unsure just from the sheer fact of he did get the, the workload. I know it was close, but he still played 10 more snaps. And if you think about the whole offensive like landscape, that's a lot of work, right? Like that's a, that's an extra series he got. That's not at, you know, Chubba's hands. So I would say Donta for sure. Um, again, that backdrop of that Denver defense, they're still tough, right? They're still playing for contracts. They're still playing for what they need. Um, and so I would, I'm a little optimistic, probably more optimistic than I need to be, but I'm optimistic. Okay. Russell Wilson has only thrown four touchdowns in the past six games. Does that make you pretty optimistic about the Broncos? <laughs> Have you seen the guy? <laughs> I can't remember if he's on TikTok or whatever, but he's been doing a, um, it's a video every day, and he said <laughs> a video every day uh, until Russell Wilson throws more touchdowns than he has bathrooms in his house. <laughs> and he started this before the season, so there's no oh way God. that he expected this to go on this long. And he's still he's still been doing. It. I think Russell Wilson has six bathrooms in his house, Jesus. so he's got a little bit to go. It's sad. Yes, yeah, it's funny. Um, I seen <laughs> that. I think he has twelve bathrooms, and he's at eight touchdowns. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. You're right. He has 12 bathrooms um, and he has eight. T- it's very funny. Um, if you look at, and I know we want to dissect this from a game perspective, but if you look at like the lack of cap wiggle room, this team has because They're of screwed. this contract. They're screwed. Oh my I, sneaky storyline. I think he might figure it out next year. I don't know. You think? I don't know. There's always those weird things. I've that been saying that every week. <laughs> year. And it's just never happened. You know how many people have started and held on to Cortland Sutton because of me, and I just feel terrible about it. Like he just yeah. never figured it out. Well, Cortland Sutton he went six for eight for seventy-five yards, and without yeah, Jerry that's Judy the same there. stat line he has whenever Jerry Judy's not playing. But it's never good. Like you're never, yeah. you're never winning a week because of Cortland Sutton. Like this no. is the ceiling. Yeah, I have a quick offensive stat that I want to throw in here that isn't in the show notes. Um, this comes from uh, Adam Levitin. He has a podcast too. But I've, scrounged this off twitter and it caught my eye but he said the broncos are now averaging 1.3 touchdowns per game that's their average that's what you're going to get out of this offense so you're you're trying to squeeze out every little last bit for that like one touchdown they're going to get this is the lowest number since 2012 from our kansas city chiefs matt when they were rolling out matt castle and brady quinn to play quarterback and went two and twelve gross (laughs) gross i like you you can't trust any of this team. I think Latavius Murray would probably be a serviceable RB2 for you. Uh, he had 49 out of 60% of the snap counts for 13 carries and 92 yards, and he ran 26 routes. So, like, I think Latavius Murray is probably safe, especially given all the injuries and everything they got going on with that running back room. Um, don't trust Cortland Sutton. Jerry Judy hasn't played in a while, and certainly don't trust Russell Wilson. This team is screwed. 
And I think that's really the last thing I want to say about it. The, the unfortunate reality is, is they spent a lot of money to get a quarterback that is not great. Russell Wilson has not looked great. And, you, you you know, we talked a little bit earlier about the the mobility of quarterbacks and the rushing upside. Russell Wilson's starting to get old, right? And so he's that kind of starts to cap him a little bit because once people get older, they are less mobile. It's problematic. And I think we're starting to kind of see some of that in play out right now. The unfortunate truth is, is the Broncos just went all in on a guy that they <laughs> they they don't have any other choice like it, what do you do you cut him yeah you no, still yeah, owe yeah. him all this you, I, can't. No, you, you have dead cap space if you do exactly you can't do anything you have to keep you him have and to just like let it well, you have to keep him i i think the the way out for them in the short term is yeah you know, there are basically two situations the way they can play out and granted i've had like five bush lights so this might they be go nonsense. they got to bring but, drew lock back don't they? <laughs> they they no that has nothing to do with drew lock <laughs> Oh, they he rapped either. a Jeezy song, by the way. That clip of him <laughs> rapping is a Jeezy song, if you remember that on Twitter. There you go. Um, okay, so they either have Russell Wilson figured out. Like, he figures it out at some point, and he starts to look like his old self again to some degree. Or they draft a rookie quarterback that is able to learn from Russell Wilson. You know, Russell Wilson still, he's had a very successful career. Um, he's someone that is, you know, pretty mature, uh, you know, for an NFL player. He's someone that can impart a lot of wisdom. Um, and so I think that drafting a rookie quarterback and allowing Russell Wilson to sort of raise him in that way and then have him take over the role, not the best situation financially, but I think that's probably they're out at this point in time. Yeah. yeah I, I, I was just going to say, uh, it's gotta one be. more thing. I'll give, I'll give her, I'll give it right back to you. Um, that Russell completely hosed Latavius cause he had like 80 yards rushing at half. And then they got to a point where they just like, they had to start scoring something from somewhere but he was well on his way to having a day too. And then he got capped at like 90 some yards. So he did mm. nothing in the second half out of just sheer ineptitude. Of that, that offense. Yeah. 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 Very unfortunate. And like you mentioned, there is a clip floating around. We almost put it in here and I just decided not to, but there was a, a Broncos defensive player that got up in Russ's face. It was, it's going viral right now. So you can very easily find it if you'd like, but he's pretty much screaming at Russell Wilson that they need mm. to do something. So I tough and to see the Matt to, it is tough. And to double click on Matt, you know, we're talking about rebuilding with a quarterback. Well, they're not, they don't have a first or second next this year, and they don't have a first or second next year. So any quarterback they're going to get is a few years away if they're going to talk top shelf. Oh, God. Gross. <laughs> Maybe they'll get lucky to get a Tom Brady in like the sixth round. Uh, we'll move on to the 49ers Saints game. 49ers are, they're moving, fellas, and the Saints aren't necessarily a wonderful team, but the 49ers win this 13 to zero. Some sad news. Eliza Mitchell is expected to miss the next six to eight weeks with a knee injury he suffered on Sunday. It is not the same MCL sprain that he suffered earlier this season where he missed nine games. Elijah Mitchell is kind of young, but he's pretty injury prone. It's a problem, but this whole team is injury prone and it must be in the water. Um, 49ers Christian McCaffrey was dealing with knee irritation during Sunday's game versus the Saints, which is likely tendonitis. So is his workload going to be impacted even more? I don't know. I, I think I, I they want to take care of their new toy because they need to, because this whole team is counting on the addition of him to help th get them through the playoffs and make a good Super Bowl run. The roster's there for it, fellas. This 49ers offense is a scary team. But point, point, I, defensively, they're very sound. Great offense. Their worst player on their offense is Jimmy G. So, and... Guess what? As long as he can get the ball into the hands of these playmakers, they're going to be okay. 
I think they got to take it slow. Uh, Jordan Mason may be a, a, an interesting speculative ad because Elijah Mitchell is going to be gone. And we've seen Elijah Mitchell still be very involved in this offense with Christian McCaffrey because they're limiting his snap count a little bit. So I don't hate going to grab Jordan Mason. I think it's kind of a sneaky move. He's 0% rostered right now, and we'll touch it on him again at the waiver wires. But um, definitely a, a, a decent speculative ad because I, I think that they want to not risk long-term injury with Christian McCaffrey. So, um, yeah, and then you've got Alvin Kamara on the other side of the ball. Four straight games under 45 yards rushing and no touchdowns. He went seven for 13 on the ground and six for seven through the air for 37 yards. Do we need Laser Jameis back, gentlemen? We need, we need Laser Jameis. Is, is this what we need? This offense needs a spark. The, the problem is, and I was reading about this a little bit today, it's still a mystery as to whether or not Jameis Winston is healthy. Right, because he's basically basically come out and said, "Yeah, it sucks that I've lost my starting job," which kind of infers that he's healthy. But mm-hmm. everyone else is saying, "Well, maybe he's not healthy." That, you know, they they didn't get rid of Andy Dalton after he threw two pick sixes in a row a couple weeks ago, so they're not ever going to get rid of him. Like they want this guy to be playing for whatever reason, whether they think he's better or because they think Jameis is not healthy to take over. But there's no doubt about it at this point that a healthy Jameis Winston would kickstart this offense at least more so than what we've seen over the last few weeks. Yeah, for me, this was just a battle of just like, what the fuck, teams? Because you look at the names and you're like, McCaffrey. And I have, I traded or I drafted McCaffrey in a few leagues and I needed him to go off in this game. And I was like, okay, here we go. Like, this should be it. Let's, let's get it rolling. And then fucking nothing. Like, this offense is so frustrating because you look at the names on the offense and you're like, wow, I think what can't they do? And I don't know if you agree with that. I think that's part of the problem because unlike the Chiefs, where you don't know who's going to feast because Patrick Mahomes is the gatekeeper to their success. You don't know who's going to feast in this 49, 49ers offense because Jimmy G is the gatekeeper to their success. But more importantly, it's because everybody else is on the field. And so if one person, one singular person could make one one move and it's a touchdown and then the drive's over and then that person doesn't feast anymore. So I think because they have so many weapons on this team, it becomes somewhat problematic to to. <laughs> To just say, they yeah, you can no plug them in and leave them. Yeah, like it's <laughs> they have all the weapons, yeah. so it makes it it makes yeah. it that much more difficult. It, from from my perspective, anyway, that's kind of how I look at it. Um, anything else, or we want to move on? Good to go. Good to move on. Okay, we're gonna go to the Chiefs Rams, fellows. This is your game. Chiefs came out, they beat the Rams pretty handily, which is nice to see, given the fact that the Rams are playing with a high school football team. Uh, Allen Robinson is out for the season after suffering a broken bone in his foot. Then we'll, we'll I want to we'll talk about the Rams running back room for just a moment because I really want to talk about the Chiefs running back room. But so we'll get through the Rams. Um, Kyron Williams. It seems like he's probably the back to own at this point. I know that a lot of people who drafted Cam Akers and have been sitting on the bench with him all year were very, very excited that Darrell Henderson was waived and that it's finally Cam Akers season. Looks like that's not the case. Looks like it's Kyron Williams season, everybody. He played 70% of the snaps. He went 11 touches for 35 yards and three for three through the air for 25 yards. Not great. Not a good, not good at all, but uh, better than Cam Akers, who went eight for 37 and zero on the ground. He played 30% of the snap. So it seems like Kyron Williams, he won the lead back roll. Yeah. Tough, tough on the Rams. And uh, Scott, I don't know if you watched this game at all too. I'm, I'm hoping you did. Um, but th- that was just there. The quarterback Perkins, he tried, he's a mobile quarterback. He couldn't throw it that this game was kind of boring. 
um, because the Rams pretty much had their whole defense. And it sounds like Aaron Donald's hurt now, if we want to add that to the Rams yeah. injury list. But the, the, it was basically the Rams starting defense versus uh, a high school offense with a high school offense against the Chiefs. So the Chiefs could like kind of move the ball on offense, stalled out a bunch, but then the Rams literally could do nothing on offense. So it was just like a weird game. It's just boring. Yeah. I mean, we we say they they could do nothing, but you know, up until the fourth quarter, there was still a reasonable chance that this became a game. They they threw two picks in the fourth quarter that really sealed it for the Chiefs. Um, you know, this uh, what was the name of the quarterback that was playing for the Rams? I forget now. Perkins, Perkins I think. Perkins, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he, they were telling the story about how he broke his neck or whatever, and he was in a neck brace for five months. It made it really hard to root against the guy. You, you have to look at him and be like, man, this this dude is playing. He's starting in an NFL game right now after breaking his neck and being in a brace for half a year. Um, so, and I liked what I saw out of him. Obviously, he was he was very unpolished, but he was a fighter, and I, I appreciated that. And you're right, the game was relatively boring. Um, I was not impressed with the Chiefs' offense this game. Um, which was disappointing. I kind of, I, I was kind of hoping that they would come out and make a statement uh, here and and put up a lot of points against a good Rams defense, but they didn't. So, is Did what you it just is. Feel got sympathy for him because like Alex Smith went through something similar and he was your old quarterback. Is that what it was? Well, I feel sympathy for anyone who breaks their neck. So that's okay. just a good. That's fair. <laughs> you're, you're a good man. We're a we're a sympathy podcast for people that broke their neck. There yeah, we go. Only if you break your neck. So otherwise, we really have no sympathy. Yeah, we for don't you. care. Um, Isaiah Pacheco. Let's talk about this because there is news that is coming out that Melvin Gordon will be signed to the Chiefs practice squad. And I don't believe it's happened just yet, but uh, it sounds like it's pretty likely at this point. Isaiah Pacheco, man, he went 22 for 69 and one. And then he saw another target through the air for uh, and he caught it for 17 yards. I love Pacheco. Is somebody who, who I, and I'm going to be completely honest, I could give a shit about the Chiefs, but oh, why come on? Pacheco? I'm sorry, fellas. It's just the you truth. Care. But why? I, I, I don't. But I do. I Watching Isaiah Pacheco, it made me happy to watch football because <laughs> this man, I don't know if he was snorting bath salts in the locker room or what. He can't sit still. He I, can't. Saw, <laughs> I saw a tweet. <laughs> I saw a tweet that said, uh, he looks like a guy that chugged two four locos and then went to go play football, <laughs> and that's a very good description. He sprints everywhere, everywhere. I he texted does, you he's guys. Got one speed, and it's just yeah, fast. Coming out of bounds, sprinting. Yeah, plays over. He sprints like hot take. I think he needs to not sprint after the play so he can save his legs. Well, that's my only like critique. Um, other than that, again, it's a good Rams defense. You can say what you want about their offensive players being out, but that defense was still there. Um, yeah, they still had their stars there ready to play. So. I think he ran hard. He's got another challenge next week with the Bengals, who also we just saw them bottle up Henry. Um, so I, I like him overall. Immediately for like fantasy purposes, uh, maybe. But like overall, I, I love him too. Yeah, I think I think he is the future for the 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 back that the Chiefs need. I mean, you know, we haven't seen a, a decent back since Kareem Hunt, to be completely honest. Clyde Edwards Lair has not been great. And I think Pacheco's that guy. He just, he doesn't, you know, he gets hit. He doesn't lay that. That dude gets back up and he's just, like you said, and it's not get back up slowly. It's like a million miles an hour. He pops back up and he's like, let's go. He runs everywhere. And what I, I think, and in, in Matt, I know that you you have something to add on here. There, Some of the coaching had told him actually to slow the hell down. Is that pretty much it? 
Well, I mean, Isaiah Pacheco is a young back with a lot of energy. That's one thing that's it's really fun to watch, as you alluded to. You know, he he took a couple big hits this game and popped right back up. He, you know, he he used his energy as a statement to say, hey, I'm just fine. You didn't hit me that hard. I'm just fine. And I love to see that in a football player, but he does need to learn to slow down, find a little bit more patience to find the running lane. You know, sometimes plays take a little bit to develop. And if you run too fast, you run through the offense. So you run through the play. So he's got to learn that a little bit. Yeah, um, he's got to wait for the holes to develop as well. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I, I wanted to touch a little bit on what Alan said. Um, if you didn't pick up Isaiah Pacheco, you know, a few weeks ago when we were talking about him uh, kind of emerging in this offense, you really missed out because this Chiefs offense next week. Yeah. OK, they have they have a tough matchup next week. But the thing is, is that uh, this is a defense you know that shut down Derrick Henry. But the Titans don't have an offense in outside of Derrick Henry. The Chiefs have weapons everywhere. So yeah. this defense is going to look completely different against the Chiefs than it did against the Titans. So I think, you know, even though it's not a great matchup, I think he'll be okay. But the playoff schedule for the Chiefs, the fantasy playoff schedule for the Chiefs is so favorable to running backs. And if the Chiefs are able to put up some points and get ahead, you're going to see Isaiah Pacheco average 20 carries a game. And that is just something that can make all the difference in the world. So uh, if you've got Isaiah Pacheco on your roster, I do, and I am ecstatic about it. I'm going to be plugging and playing him every week going forward. Good take. We're going to move on to the Chargers versus the Cardinals. My team that lost it at the very end. Chargers win 25 to 24. Uh, James Conner, since returning from injury in week nine, has been the RB4. He's averaged 17 and a half fantasy points a game, roughly. On the flip side, Austin Eckler, he led the targets and receptions on this team. He went 11 for 15. Through the air, mind you. That is not him rushing. That is him catching the ball. He has a 32% target share through the air for 60 yards and a touchdown in the air alone. I think they I I, I think part of this is necessity for this yeah. team because of the injuries that they are currently facing. Mm -hmm. Mike Williams, you know, Keenan Allen's just getting back. Mike Williams is now out again. Um, Josh Palmer has been that pseudo fill in wide receiver pretty much this whole year. But I think that, that this is in large part due to necessity. It's also worth noting that Austin Eckler is a fucking beast. Um, the, <laughs> the rest of the wide receiver group for the chargers had a pretty even split between, uh, targets between Allen Palmer and Carter. So it's Austin Eckler season, you know? Yeah. And, and on the flip side of this for the wide receivers, for the Cardinals, uh, this was the first game of the year where we got both Hollywood and, DeAndre Hopkins on the field at the same time. They were both fine for fantasy football production. And I think that, you know, you could probably start both of them going forward. You don't have to worry about one or the other. I think they can, there is a world in which they can live simultaneously in fantasy football play. So um, that's really my only takeaways from this game, other than the Cardinals. We suck. I know we suck. I'll be the first to tell you we suck. <laughs> um, <laughs> we almost had it. They went for two. They got it. So you, it, was a, it was a good call. Literally almost had it. Yeah. To uh, go back to Eckler, um, what you're talking about. Um, you know, Herbert's just taking what's there. I think I looked at one point and he had like 30 completions or something like that, or was nearing that, but had under 200 yards. And I was like, that has to be some kind of record for like 30 completions and not eclipse 200 yards mm -hmm. passing. Uh, but I, I mean, that's literally, I mean, Eckler's the guy, you know, and that's yeah. not a knock on Herbert at all. Cause you know, what are you going to do? You got to give, you know, you, you got to put it in the hands of the guys that can score. That's all you can do. Yep. Um, let's move to the Raiders and the Seahawks game. We got a clip here. Um, it really, I think, envelops the 13th man on this on this field. So if you'll notice, uh, Derek Carr throws a pick here to a, a Seahawks player. Um, 
He runs, and then from the sideline, number 52 just comes in and joins. So I'll play that again just so you can see it. I want you to watch down low here because as soon as there's a pick, you'll see on the sideline, it's paused here, and the guy in the red, he runs from the sideline to join the team for the pick. No penalties, no flags. (laughs) 13 people on the field blocking, and they, yeah, I guess that's just allowed now. Quandre Diggs picked it off from Derek Carr, and that gentleman who joined all of his teammates on the field is linebacker Daryl Taylor. So what, what's really funny about this is I just sent a video in the leather brains chat uh, of this exact thing pretty much happening in like 1940 of some random dude running onto the field, yeah. like an AFC matchup and, mm-hmm. and swatting a ball down in the end zone. And you're like, <laughs> what, how does this happen? And then all of a sudden it just happens, it happens. In 2022 yeah. again, pretty much. That's okay. That's a hockey sub. That's fine. Um, I'm good <laughs> I didn't with know it. You were allowed that... to do that on pigs. I didn't no, know you're good. If you get a pick, you can hockey sub somebody. I in. actually want more rules to allow people to just run in and start sprinting. Um, I think it'd make it much more dramatic. <laughs> yeah, like one or two fans a game just get a free pass yes. to do whatever they want, and we'll just have to yeah. play around them. Oh Lord! Um, really, the thing to take away from this is uh, Raiders win this game forty to thirty-four in an overtime fashion. Due in large part to Josh Jacobs. He is the man. The Raiders did not re-sign this freaking beast of a human being. He went 33 attempts for 229 yards on the ground and for with two touchdowns. And then uh, he had six for 74 through the air. The Raiders opted not to re-sign this man. What, do you let him walk? Like, what are they doing? They didn't yeah, sign they- him. I think so, they're going to let him walk. And and the reason is we talked about this, you know, I, I've, I've mentioned this several times on the podcast, but I just want to keep harping on it because we were correct. And I think we were one of the only podcasts that I've listened to that, that we were actually correct about this. We gave two options for Josh Jacobs. Either he is going to slowly fade into nothingness, which was the popular option, or this is his contract year. They're going to use the ever living shit out of him. And that's exactly what we're seeing right now. Mm-hmm. Josh Jacobs is a very talented running back. He's underrated in a lot of ways. We saw him utilized in the passing game here, which we kind of saw flashes of that last year, but people didn't really pay attention to it because it wasn't consistent enough. But we know he's capable of being involved in the passing game. And this team is just dead set on running this guy into the ground before they send him off into the sunset. Um, and that that's just what we're seeing right now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's my, that was, I drafted him in a few leagues for that very reason. And in the past, that's how I've drafted guys like this, where they're on in contract years, this, that, you know, they're playing for money. There's incentive to do well. He's playing for his next contract right now. And it's like, it's not, it, it's a very spot on thought, right? Like, and he, he wants to keep playing and it's very obvious and they are happy to run him into the ground to do so. Josh Jacobs finished with 303 total yards, which is more yards than the entire Saints, Rams, Broncos, Bears, <laughs> Texans, and Giants offenses this well, last and week. One other thing, too. He finished as the RB1 on the week, obviously. He had more fantasy points and half PPR than the number two and the number three combined. Jesus. Kenneth Walker had his day saved with two touchdowns, or he would have finished around RB50 on the week. Walker is averaging a whopping 1.78 yards per carry the past two weeks. Kind of a, another Damian Pierce-esque conversation. I think, if anything, this is somewhat more alarming because, um, you know, I didn't expect the Seahawks to be good. I don't think anybody here in this room expected the Seahawks to be a really great team. But guess what? They are a contending team right now. Like they are, they could make a wild card push and or a playoff push, depending upon how things work out here in the next couple of weeks. So they have weapons. But Kenneth Walker, he's, you know, especially against the Raiders defense that is terrible against the run, did not do well. Is this is this problematic for you guys? 
Uh, I think this is a symptom of, you know, you have NFL D coordinators. Once they get tape on guys like Damian Pierce, like a Kenneth Walker, they're going to try to take away the things that you do well. And I think they're looking at that and they're like, all right, I, we get Geno's doing well, but over the longevity, I think I'd much rather roll the dice on Geno throwing than letting Kenneth run. And I think that's just a symptom of this offense and the evolution of these defenses getting some tape on them as we, you know, click on in the season mainly. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I would still hold on to them because somebody's going to have to score touchdowns for them. They get close. I think they want to lean on them. Um, not, not a big, big concern, but I think you see this with guys that kind of break out and then you have to figure out like how you evolve from there as an offense to continue to get your stars the ball. Mm-hmm. But sure. it's, it's also says something that we're talking about. Oh, should we be concerned about Kenneth Walker on a week where he scored two touchdowns? Like if you're running back, if his down week is two times, two trips into the end zone, well, you're doing just fine. Um, so I, I think, you know, I agree with you. I'm not worried about Kenneth Walker. He is kind of the victim of this subpar offense. You know, obviously this is a better offense than anyone expected, but we're not going to look at him and say, oh, this is an elite offense that's going to score a lot of points all the time. Um, so I think he's also kind of the victim of that a little bit with game script. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, if I've got him, I'm playing him. I'm not worried about it. Okay. Uh, we'll move on to the last game of the week, Packers versus the Eagles. This game was another game that I was not necessarily expecting it to be as close as it was. Eagles win this game 40 to 33. Things of note in this game are that Aaron Rodgers left Sunday's game with an oblique slash rib injury and did not return. He's already dealing with a fracture in his throwing thumb, and it is possible that he does miss time. There's a rumor that he may be done for the year. So my question to you, gentlemen, is Jordan love the future because he came out slinging the ball, arguably did better than Rodgers in a limited capacity. And I've seen so many memes and articles about Jordan love. And I'm curious to know, do you guys really think that love could be the future here? Um, he definitely adds another layer to the offense for sure. With Aaron Rodgers aging, um, you know, you, you don't have to respect his legs as much as you once did in his career. And Jordan Love adds that. Um, you know, the bottom line is Aaron Rodgers is one of the best quarterbacks to ever play the game, but he's getting a little bit older. And Jordan Love was able to shake things up a little bit. This defense did not expect that. They, they didn't game script against Jordan Love. So I think that's why you saw him and, and you, you saw him come in and have some sort of immediate success. Um, there's no question about it that Jordan Love, as of right now, is the future of the franchise. It's just a question of when that future begins. And I, you know, we'll, we'll have to keep an eye on this injury. But I think, you know, as long as they've got Aaron Rodgers, they're going to be playing Aaron Rodgers. Okay. Um, other things I know, Christian Watson, he did it again. He got another touchdown. God damn you, Christian Watson. You were my sit of the week. He went four for six for 110 yards and a touchdown. It's, I don't get it because the target share is not insane, but he still keeps getting touchdowns. I, I freaking told you. You did. The ball don't just finds find people. Yes, I know. I know. You just got to ride yeah. the hot hand. Don't uh, fight it. Don't damn. fight it. Just accept it. Yeah, I, I understand. Um, Miles Sanders had a, in a tremendous game, 21 attempts, 143 yards, and two touchdowns. Jalen Hurts also did have a, a wonderful game. He had 14 designated rushes in Week 11 and then 12 designated rushes in Week 12. So Jalen Hurts very obviously is in your starting lineups. And that is it for the recap. It is worth noting that this upcoming week, the Cardinals and the Panthers have buys. So if you own Hollywood Brown, DeAndre Hopkins, Kyler Murray, DJ Moore, Donta Foreman, Chuba. They will not be playing. If you heard any of those names, look for other options because they are on by. Now, let's move over to the waiver wire ads.
First waiver wire ad of the week. I'm not buying in on this, but you know what? I figured somebody somewhere probably will, or they at very least want to hear us talk about it. Zonovan Knight running back for the Jets. He filled in for Michael Carter after Carter left the game due to a sprained ankle, and Robinson was a healthy scratch. He's more of a deep league target. He's 0% owned. I envision he probably stays that way, but there's going to be a lot of people who are saying, oh, should I go get this guy? Here's me saying probably not. I don't buy into this. I am in the camp. I don't know what happened with James Robinson as far as why he was a healthy scratch, but I think that if Michael Carter does miss time, it's very easily James Robinson for me. And I don't know if you guys share that, but um, okay, perfect. Zay Jones is next up. I do like this one quite a bit, and I would consider him a great ad moving forward. He finishes the wide receiver four on the week. And, you know, Scotty, you talked about him a little bit earlier and how Christian Kirk kind of got covered, which helped with Zay Jones's usability. But he has extremely favorable matchups these next two weeks against both Lions and Titans defenses. And he's 37% owned. So if you're looking for a flyer for one of those bye weeks that I mentioned, Zay Jones is not the worst candidate on that list. I, I think if, if you have roster space for him, I wouldn't hate the ad. I wouldn't yeah. hate it. If you got extra space, I'm not opposed to it, but I do think, you know, Zay Jones was the beneficiary of the coverage this week. And I don't think we're going to see this kind of production every week. I, this, this offense is not very good. Um, so you can't really expect them to be able to have multiple fantasy viable wide receivers. And I think Christian Kirk is going to fill that role uh, most weeks. So, um, you know, for a dart throw, I'm not opposed to it. I think that's probably going to be a pretty common ad this week, um, but I wouldn't expect the world from Zay Jones. Okay. This next one, I I like this one, and I went and grabbed him a week early before we made this show because I didn't want you guys to get the same idea. Deshaun Watson. So some people have been whispering about him as the boy who lived. He's uh, came back to existence, and and many people thought he would die. Uh, while he doesn't have a scar on his face, I think he's a must add for me. Uh, before the bad things that he did, which we I think at this point everybody knows the bad things. In 2018, Watson finishes a quarterback 11. In 2019, he finishes the quarterback four. In 2020, he finishes the quarterback six. And Deshaun Watson, there is a decent chance that he is on your waiver wire. He's currently 59% rostered, so roughly a 50-50 shot. But I, I, I have a little asterisk here. I do want to let you guys know, do tread with caution because we have not seen Deshaun Watson play football in almost two years now. But if he can return and, and have a semblance of the same perf performance that he did when he was still playing you are getting a set-and-forget quarterback. That's what you're getting out of him because he is a mobile quarterback, or was, rather. I don't know if he still is, but he he was a mobile quarterback who could also get it. He had a great arm, and he was a big quarterback. He wasn't like a Kyler Murray, 5'10", takes one crack, and he's done. He was a big dude. He is a big dude. I don't think he probably got smaller. Um, but we haven't, we haven't seen him run. We haven't seen him play football in two years, so... I added him. I'm in the camp that I think he he will, and he's very clearly the future for the Browns. So that you know they're gonna play, and there's gonna be no question if it's gonna be him or Jacoby Brissett. It's very clearly gonna be Deshaun Watson. Go get him. That's what I would do if if he's there and you're yeah. you know hurting for a quarterback. I would easily go get Deshaun Watson, and I probably play him for the rest of the year. Yeah, I would too. The only thing that would it, it, with your caution is just game speed. He hasn't played in two years. Like yeah. What, what do the windows look like? You know, these windows open and close very fast in the NFL. And, you know, if you're off by just a half second, right, like that's a pick. So that's the only thing that would caution me mm -hmm. running out of time this year to get him back into like full on shape from a fantasy perspective. But I mean, worth a shot, especially if your quarterback situation isn't great. For yeah. sure. 
I, I'm really interested to see how these weapons on the Browns kind of evolve with Deshaun Watson there, because, you know, on one hand, you can say, OK, obviously, this is a significant upgrade from Jacoby Brissett. Um, there's there's no doubt about that. But you are disrupting the offensive flow a little bit by throwing a new guy behind center. Um, and I'm also wondering if if he is as mobile as he was before, is this going to take away from any of the, the wide receiver value there because he's more likely to run it into the end zone? than Jacoby Brissett. Um, so I, I am interested to see. Uh, my, the first person that comes to mind is David Njoku, somebody that we've talked about a lot. I've been very high on. I'm glad to see that he's getting some usability this year. Uh, but I'm worried a little bit, you know, once they get into the red zone, Deshaun Watson is, is in the past, he has been someone who is very willing to run into the end zone. And he might not be as willing to throw to his outlet guys like Njoku. So do you guys think Deshaun Watson coming in is going to I think we would all agree that it's going to positively impact these weapons, but the question is of degree. You know, is this going to be a major improvement for this offense? I don't know if major. I, I don't know because I think Jacoby Brissett has been playing some pretty damn good football, like to be completely honest. And I think Jacoby Brissett has earned himself a worthy start somewhere else. Like he's certainly like that. Well, I, we could wait another year until we have picks. Let's just go get this guy. Like that's kind of the, that's, where I put Jacoby Brissett at because he's been pretty damn good. And yeah, he does have a lot of weapons around him. So it is worth noting. I mean, you've got Nick Chubb, Donovan Peoples Jones, Amari Cooper, David Njoku. So like he does have a lot of tools around him that are pretty damn good at football as well, which probably helps quite a bit. Um, I don't know. I think if anything, somebody like Donovan Peoples Jones, especially in a dynasty format really excites me to be honest with you. Like he is somebody, he's a good own from, uh, he, you and I made a trade and I got him, but like, regardless of that trade, I think Donovan Peoples Jones is really a very interesting own in a dynasty format because he's young. He's 23 years old and Deshaun Watts is going to be tied to this franchise for the foreseeable future. Amari Cooper is a great wide receiver. I'm not trying to take anything away from him, but he is aging. I think he's 28 or 29. So he's getting up there in age. And I think uh, DPJ could be a, a decent own. And, you know, maybe it's more of like, he's like a Will Fuller when Deshaun Watson was with the Texans. Like maybe that's the the type of production we see out of him. And that's okay because Will Fuller was still usable as well. So I, I'm excited for this offense. I think that, you know, not to take anything away from Jacoby Brissett, but I think that if Deshaun Watson looks like what he did when he was still playing football, it unlocks an entire new element to this offense. And if anything, I could see maybe Nick Chubb taking a little bit of a regression, not nothing too extreme because he's still going to be great for this team, but I could see them doing some other things to get Watson more involved. And that might cut into Wat or uh, Chubb's usage just slightly, but not anything worth, you know, considering benching him or something crazy. So that's how I look at it. Um, I don't know if you have anything else to add to that, Alan. Nope. Okay. Uh, Next up. Nope. Okay. Perfect. Uh, Jordan Mason, we talked about him just a little bit earlier. He's the running back for the 49ers. He's somebody who is worth a really interesting add to me. He is young. Uh, Elijah Mitchell is going to be out, and they've shown that you know Christian McCaffrey's not in every down back for him. So the next man up is Jordan Mason. He's 0% rostered. So this guy is kind of a sneaky add. I think that not a lot of people are probably targeting him at this moment. I would go get him. I would, I think I would, I would roster him pretty handily because, and I want to see how this, this continues to go, but I think there's a decent chance that he could be on the field somewhat early. So uh, I got him. And the last person I have is Jameson Williams. He was on the waiver wire ads last week. And I hope that you did take our advice, but some of you squish brains probably did not. So I added him again 
Williams is coming off of an ACL tear, and I would be adding him in any place that I can get him. He's 53% rostered, and he's desperately needed for this Lions team. So go get him because the Lions are still, crazily enough, they are still in contention for a playoff berth, and Jamison Williams could help push them over the edge. He is a big, explosive wide receiver. We saw what he could do in college, and he uh, there is a very good chance he's going to be playing this week. So I, I like Jamison Williams quite a bit. And that's what I got. That's all I have for the waiver wire ads. Let's move on to people that you probably can drop. And this is for redraft format. So if you guys are playing Dynasty, this does not apply. Allen Robinson, you can drop him. He needs surgery on his foot. He's done for the season. Darnell Mooney, he hurt his ankle. He's probably going to need season-ending surgery. He's done. This one, Cortland Sutton. Scotty, you're throwing your hands up. Can we drop him? Can Will you finally cut bait? Um, give me the most recent news on Jerry Judy. Is he coming back this week? What do we know? I don't know anything about Jerry. Well, Judy, here's man. the thing. Cortland. He's Sutton, out on Sunday. That was three days ago. <laughs> That's what I got. <laughs> <laughs> Cortland Sutton, um, without Jerry Judy is obviously going to see work in this offense. Now, you know, with averaging just over a touchdown per game, this, this offense is not something that you can count on for major production, uh, but he's going to see work. So I think that depending on who you have on your roster, Cortland Sutton still has a safer floor than a lot of guys that you'd be putting into your flex uh, without Jerry Judy. Uh, with okay. Jerry Judy back in, I still probably wouldn't drop him necessarily. It just depends on... You know, I'm cutting bait. Yeah. You know what? Fuck it. I'm yeah. cutting bait. I own Cortland Sutton in our league of record. I'm cutting bait, Scotty. I'm Prove not it. holding on. Okay, after this, after we're done here... I will drop him. I'm done with him. I'm done with it. It is so infuriating to own this man, and I have given him every benefit of the doubt, and I can't. I don't want to blame him. I'm going to blame Russ. I'm not going to blame him. I'm going to blame Russ. I'm going to blame Nathaniel Hackett. Right. I'm not going to blame Cortland Sutton. Quick quick segment. Who gets the Broncos touchdown next next week? Who scores their <laughs> touchdown for them? That's a great idea for a second. (laughs) I'm going to guess. I don't even know who they play. Greg Dulcich. That's my guess this week. Yeah, he dropped it. Or no, he got a touchdown called back this last week. I think he would have had a touchdown and then they, there was a holding penalty or something. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. I'm going to stick with my boy, Corlin Sutton, man. I'm not just to rub it in Hunter's face. I'm doing it. Okay. Um, I'm (laughs) going to take, I'm going to say Russ to not be outdone wants to fumble the ball and then roll into the end zone with it. after he. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, Clyde Edwards, a He's on IR. He should come back before the end of the season. Can we drop him? Get him out of there. Okay. Should have traded him away like 10 weeks ago. You should have. We told you. Uh, Melvin Gordon, another running back that may be going to the Chiefs. He got waived by the Broncos. He's going to potentially sign with the Chiefs. If you own him and you were holding on to see where he's going, you drop Melvin Gordon? Um, yes. It depends on how badly you need to pick up somebody because you know Melvin Gordon might not go to the Chiefs and he might end up in a place like Detroit where he could see usability right away. Let's um, say he does go to the Chiefs. Let's say for sake of conversation, he ends up with the Chiefs. Are you dropping the Chiefs? Him? You drop him. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I would agree. I with think that. he is going. I think he is going. That fumble machine will not take much of the carries away. <laughs> okay. Yeah. The Andy Reid's going to get pissed with him real quick. Uh, Cooper Cup. If you don't have an IR spot. You're dropping him. He's out for six to eight weeks. That puts him back at the very end of the fantasy football schedule if he is able to come back at that point. If you have one IR spot and you have somebody else that you kind of were hoping for, I mean, you're dropping Cup. Is that right? 
probably. Okay. Mm-hmm. You can let him go. Okay. Last one here. Brandon Cooks. He's not hurt. He just isn't good. He's currently wide receiver 43 on the year. He has not put up double digit fantasy points since week four. You drop him. Wide receiver like, one for the Texans. I like to amend what you said because I don't think the problem is Brand. Well, the problem is not with Brandon Cooks's play. It's with his relationship with this team. Uh, they they no longer want him to be any sort of you know, involved in any capacity, at least to the degree that he's been involved in the past. You know, before he was someone who uh, was never a smash play, but was always a safe floor. And he has ruined that. He squandered that by trying to seek a trade, basically demonstrating that he doesn't want to be there. They removed his captain status. They don't want him on this team. They're not going to throw him the ball. They're not going to involve him in the offense as much as possible. I don't know why they didn't trade him. him. I don't know why they didn't trade him. Like, to be completely honest, I I don't know why they didn't, because it seems rather foolish that they would not. Um, Okay. I am in the camp that you can drop Brandon Cooks. Are you, you're good with that? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's, it's the, it's too far gone. He's too far gone. And like you said, Scotty, he, whatever bridges he had with that team have been burned. Um, okay. We are going to move on to our questions from the Brainiacs. Here's the mail. It never fails. It makes me want to wag my tail. When it comes, I want to wail. I don't know. Is there a delay here or not? Um, I can't tell. I'll let you know okay. in post. Okay, let me know because I, I don't want to jump early this time. Then everyone's like, why the <laughs> hell is he barking like a fucking idiot when there's hasn't even done it yet? Yeah, this question comes from Kevin Valentine, who I'd like to give a shout out to Kevin because he left this question at 640. It is now 740. So he's been waiting one hour for us to answer. I'm so sorry. so we, we, we better give <laughs> some good answers here for Kevin. Uh, he said, who would you target of these players for fantasy playoffs? D-Hop, Hollywood, Mike, Will, or JT? I think Mike uh, Wills, Mike Williams. Oh, yeah. Duh. Okay, yeah, Mike there. Williams or Jason. Yeah. Um, uh, he said, would look to move Jeff Wilson uh, and someone to desperate teams. I'm taking John Taylor here. If you can get John Taylor, he is a, a nice, juicy own for me, to be honest with you. He, and, and realistically, he has... I think probably he's one of the safest players on this Colts team. And maybe we'll find out tonight when kickoff happens, if that still stays true. But Jeff Saturday has gotten this dude involved and has putting up a pretty handily use for him in fantasy. I mean, we saw what Jeff Saturday did week one uh, with the Raiders and John Taylor had almost 25 points. And then John Taylor had almost 17 points against a very difficult Eagles defense. So that's that's a good thing that that makes me excited for John Taylor. This paired with his uh, his matchups in the coming weeks are very very favorable. I would take John Taylor. I think he's the guy in this group that is you know Mike Williams is injured. Uh, D Hop and Hollywood. D Hop's probably more of an own than Hollywood for me at this point. But the problem is is I don't know if you can count on him consistently. And I'm less than impressed with Kyler Murray as of late. So uh, John Taylor. I think John Taylor is is the guy I would be looking to try and acquire for that fantasy uh, playoff push. And I yeah, appreciate same. the question. I'm, I'm sorry for the very long delay in answering your question. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, next question comes from Hill 24 rush. He asks an open-ended question. I'm interested to hear your answers. Which stud are you concerned about down the road in terms of fantasy? Let me give this one to Alan. Which one are you concerned about? Oh gosh, just like any stud. Any right stud. Now? Any stud. Any if you stud? had to choose a stud to avoid, who would it be? It'd be me, wouldn't oh, it? 
Yeah, I try to. Um, it's probably best just for my personal life that I stay yeah. away from you. Um, yeah. I, I don't have like a, I don't have like an immediate <laughs> clean answer for this one. And that's a cop out. I just don't have one. It's tough for me to think through. All right. I, mine is Derrick Henry. I'm afraid of Derrick Henry and not this year necessarily, but like, I, I think when I read this question, I thought of it more in a dynasty aspect or like a redraft going into next year. Right. Because this year is pretty much, we got it kind of figured out. So I'm thinking, I'm thinking next year, Derrick Henry, I think is, is he was somebody this year that I had written off and you know, he still hasn't gotten there, but he is, he's going to be 29 next year. That's pretty damn old for a running back that has been constantly asked to carry this team for as long as he has. And I just, I, I, at some point he's got to slow down. I think Derrick Henry is one that comes to mind immediately as a, uh, somebody who may not have the same production next year. The other, another one is Debo Samuel, to be honest with you. And not because I don't think Debo Samuel is great, but this team is full of a lot of weapons, you know, and that might change over next year. But I do believe that Trey Lance comes back. And so, you know, what does that look like for Debo? Because Debo's already seeing a huge cut in production with Brandon Ayuk, with George Kittle, with CMC, with Elijah Mitchell. It, we've seen a lot of regression from him. And so what does that look? Does he, is he going to come back to earth and be one of those regular right, wide receivers versus the standout that we have seen historically? So those are kind of two guys that come to mind right off the cuff that I do have concerns with going into next year. I'll throw another one out there for the immediate short term is Christian McCaffrey. Um, obviously dealing with this knee issue that he's got, maybe nothing, maybe something. Um, if Christian McCaffrey comes back healthy, um, I think he is, as of right now, obviously going to dominate that backfield, and that's going to be great. But there's a chance that maybe they want to rest him for the next few games and get him ready for those playoffs, and he might underperform, and we might see some new names in this backfield, which, which could be an immediate problem. So something to keep an eye on. Next question comes from Check Your Guns. He says, I can keep one of these guys next year, so I'm going to trade the other one away. Which one would you rather keep, Tua or Justin Fields? You want that one, Alan? Go ahead. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm keeping Tua. Yeah. Um, I think what um, Daniels has done for that team, and you read all the things online about him helping, just his confidence, showing him film about how great he is actually doing you look at the weapons they have, you look at the system in place, you I mean, I'm I'm keeping Tua and I'm gonna I mean now trading fields seems like a little bit of a chore just with the injury stuff happening. So like the immediacy of it all seems weird, but I I mean I'm 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 trading fields. Yeah, I agree with you. Tua's got the weapons, Tua's got the safety fields. As we talked about earlier, he's just a mobile quarterback and he takes one wrong hit and it's a completely different story. I think Tua is a much safer play and is still having a shit ton of production. Yeah, yeah. Tua got bent backwards in half, had a concussion this year, and he's still out here in an MVP discussion. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, Aaron Rodgers can't even sit through broken ribs and a broken hand. <laughs> what a, a, what a puss. What, what a, a puss. Bitch. What a bitch. All right. Next question comes from Tilla J. Thank you again for listening, Tilla J. You have always been a loyal brainiac. He says, am I crazy to want to trade CMC for Josh Jacobs in Dynasty? I'm a contending team, but the 49ers offense is just so spread out. And Jacobs is clearly a stud like we all just witnessed. Curious as to our thoughts. Hunter, why don't you take that one away? Yeah, man, i do it. I would 100% do this. I, I, you know, CMC has been healthy this year. 
until maybe right now question mark and and that's I would take the production while you can. Josh Jacobs is on a contract year and he's proving that he will get a contract with someone somewhere after this and be a lead back. Like that's just where Josh Jacobs is at right now. I don't think it's a long-term contract. I think it might be like a two year, maybe two or three year with another team that's looking for a running back. But like, that's where he's at production wise. And that's what he's been able to do. Especially if you're a contending team this year, I think Josh Jacobs is going to help you get there because he is a focal point on this offense and CMC is not. I mean, he is, but he's not because they're, like I mentioned, at any given time, one wide receiver on this team could take it to the house and then the drive's over and you don't get any more production out of him. So I'm going to take Josh Jacobs on this one. And, and in a dynasty, especially if you're contending and you're looking for the win, I think Josh Jacobs gets you there better than CMC. And then I think long-term output, I think Josh Jacobs may end up being more beneficial for your team because you don't have to constantly have injuries nagging him down every single step of the way, every single year, like CMC has for the past two years. So that's my thoughts. Yeah, same thoughts. I think also you kind of, at this very point in time, you are buying very high. You're not buying very low on yeah. Jacob just because you're going to get a, I mean, if you contrast the two right now, but yeah, for the same points you just said, um, McCaffrey's upside this coming into this year and last year and it, it's very high, but now I think the writing's almost on the wall for him. I think you kind of see it. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, I would definitely go Jacobs. Yeah, I'd, I'd make it a clean sweep three for three. I would do that as well. But I, I'm only in the spot if you're contending. Um, obviously, there's still some up in the air a little bit with Josh Jacobs as far as where he ends up or what the role is that he ends up playing next year. Um, CMC, I think, is a, a great play. Uh, and I'd be happy to have CMC on my team. But if you're contending right now, Josh Jacobs is the guy for show. And our final question comes from Fishhook23. Who would you rather have in PPR rest of seasons? D Hop or T Higgins? Uh, Higgins, for sure. You uh, think? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think if you look at what the Bengals are trying to accomplish right now, they're still in the wild card hunt. They got to win. Um, Mixon's a little banged up coming back. Samaje's good. But I think if you're looking, listen, I know Chase is coming back, but this isn't like a video game. He's still dealing with some stuff. Higgins is going to be the guy that's, you know, he's healthy. He's going like you give me that burrow, that pretty burrow deep ball. And you sign me up for some Higgins. Hmm. I was going to say Hopkins. I think both are fairly close for me. I Homer. just think <laughs> that, that there might be some bias in there no i i think it's hopkins for me because there is some consistency issues with not t higgins but this, the team in general with jamar chase on the field i could see one of those receivers getting lost in any in a game script because We've seen it happen before, and and typically by the end of the season, you can put statistics up next to them, and you could say, okay, Higgins and Jamar Chase are neck and neck. But there have been games where one or the other gets lost somewhat in that fold, which is or Joe Mixon. I mean, we've seen that as well. We've seen Joe Mixon, you know, really carry the team before, and so that adds another layer to it. I, and I there I do watch the Cardinals. I am a Cardinals fan, but I want everybody to understand. In, an, in a very unbiased way, I'm going to try and unbias this as much as I can. But DeAndre Hopkins is a very clear leader for this team. Very clearly. And, and, and it became very apparent to me the first week he was back. 
Kyler Murray got pissed off about something and DeAndre Hopkins was calming him down. He was like the big brother who was like, hey, man, like I, I'm going to help. We got this. You know, don't don't lose your cool. And I think that's the role that he plays on this team. And he, he we all know DeAndre Hopkins is a generational talent at wide receiver. But he since he's been back, he has seen double digit targets in almost every I mean, he's been back since week seven. There's only been two games where he hasn't seen double-digit target share. Now, you can make a huge argument. The Cardinals have not been healthy, right? They're dealing with a lot of wide receiver issues. Hollywood Brown, this is the first game they played back together, and his target share was down. He still put up 18 points. So the sample size isn't great, but I think DeAndre Hopkins, I think Kyler Murray and him have a really special connection, and I think that, that I would personally... Maybe it's so I can also root for the Cardinals additionally on fantasy football. I would rather have Hopkins than T. Higgins because I, I don't think the Cardinals, on paper, we have a lot of weapons, but this team is in shambles. It's terrible, and I think DeAndre Hopkins is a, a, a bright spot in an otherwise underperforming team. Yeah, I, I think I can play the tiebreaker rule. I can quell your fears a little bit, Hunter. I, I think I agree with you. I think I would take D. Hop over T. Higgins, although it's closer than what you might think because the, the argument here is that you're taking a wide receiver one in a bad offense versus a wide receiver two in a pretty good offense and two with receiver, an asterisk. Cause he, well, I mean, you could argue that he could be a wide receiver one. Well, and that's what I was going to say. The wide receiver two is, you know, if you put him on like half the teams in the NFL, he's their wide receiver. one. He's a very, very talented wide receiver. Um, and even on this team, you know, he has flashes of being that primary wide receiver, but I, I, I ultimately think D hop has, um, because the offense is worse, you're going to have more positive game scripts in his favor, and he has the higher ceiling. I mean, we've seen what he is able to do getting peppered with targets, and the fact of the matter is, even though Jamar Chase and T. Higgins are pretty neck and neck, um, you're talking about two guys who are going to take targets from each other, and I think D-Hop has the potential to be that, that guy who gets 12, 13, 14 targets in a game. Um, so I, I think I would take D hop though. I, I don't necessarily blame you for going the other way around and taking the better offense with more scoring opportunities. I could see that argument as well. Uh, but I think I would take D hop. I will throw this out here as my final, my final piece last year, Higgins in that offense was still the 13th wide receiver overall in the NFL PPR. 100%. So, I mean, he's, you're still, you're still up there. Um, either way. It's a good no, question. I- I think you can't go wrong with either of these guys is the bottom line. And I think that there's some, the fact that there is a divide here shows that there's an argument to be made for either party. Right. Um, oh, well, it, just, it, and one last, one last sentence before you round it off here. I, I, I think the boom potential for Deandre Hopkins is higher than, than Higgins. And I think Higgins bust potential is higher than Hopkins is the bottom line. So I would, I would rather hedge my bets toward Deandre Hopkins. That's fair. And, and, you know, playing devil's advocate, we don't we have a very small sample size of what we have seen with DeAndre Hopkins and Hollywood Brown on the field at the same time, because Hollywood Brown is a very good wide receiver. He was a wide receiver one for the Ravens last year. So like and we haven't got to see them all on the field at the same time until this last week. And this last week, Hopkins had a, a lower target share of a game. So uh, the sample size is not great. Understand that. I don't know what this offense is going to continue to trend to look like with both of them on the field. So there, there is a little bit of risk with Hop involved there too, because Hollywood could outshine D Hop. And you know, when defenses are looking at this, they'll they'll cover Hop as a favorite over Hollywood, and that's where Hollywood might eat. So there, there, you could you could play this so many different ways. Uh, and realistically, I don't think you can go wrong with either of these. If I was to choose, I would take D Hop. Allen would take Higgins. 
Scotty Ty broke it with D Hop. So maybe maybe uh, Fish Hooks twenty three will take Higgins, and, uh, and then it'll be a tie all around. But that is all the questions that we have. Hope you guys enjoyed uh, this entire thing. This is probably one of our longer episodes we've ever done, but it's been a hell of a good time. We do this every Monday and Wednesday. We will have this live. And then, of course, we will be on your podcast platform the following day. So if you missed us on live, it's all right. You can catch us uh, catch us not live on your favorite podcast platform and go give us a follow. Click that subscribe button. It really, truly does mean the world to such a small podcast as ourselves. And we love doing this and we're going to continue to do so all throughout the year. So uh, come join us and be a brainiac. It is a hell of a good time. And we're very popular, very active on Twitter rather. Um, I guess we're kind of popular there too, but we are uh, very popular. Yeah. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But uh, we're over on Twitter at leather brains. Go give us a follow and, um, and join the conversations that we got going on there. And we're going to continue to be rolling out some new ideas and and new stuff down the road here. So you're not going to want to miss it. Am I missing anything? Anybody? Nope. You're good to go. Perfect. All right. Gentlemen. Yeah. We are out. Thank you for listening to this episode of Leather Brains. If you enjoyed the show, please consider subscribing and leaving a five-star rating on your favorite podcast app and YouTube, as well as following us at Leather Brains on Twitter and Instagram. If you're looking for specific fantasy advice, including draft advice, trade insight, starts and sits, or even if you want our thoughts on your sports bets, please feel free to send us a DM on Twitter for an answer and a chance to have your question featured on a future episode. Again, thank you for tuning in, and we'll be back before you know it.